Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. We're on the Compliance Podcast Network, where you can find many other compliance podcasts. I'm Mary Shirley, and today I'm pleased to welcome Samantha Kellen to the show. Samantha, please tell us about yourself and welcome. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I'm really uh, thrilled to be able to share some information with you guys, but um, considering what your podcast is about and like great women in compliance, um, I've been kind of watching from the sidelines for a long time. And so I'm so excited to have been invited to actually be here today. Um, a little bit of a fangirl moment, but anyway, um, so, um, happy to share some background. Um, I describe myself as a bit of a compliance and ethics nerd. Um, and I'm really fortunate to have been, um, kind of dumped here. Like I got here, not intentionally, but by chance, um, I was not one of those folks who are either a lawyer and end up here or who were in the business and ended up here. My entire corporate career um, has been in compliance and ethics. And for that, I'm really, really grateful um, because I didn't know it existed at all. Um, I wasn't like a kid in elementary school. And when they were like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I want to be a compliance officer. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, And so... I got here actually through a temp agency. Um, I uh, started out um, in college and I took a little bit of a detour and I went to go um, horseback ride for a living. Um, That didn't work out. And so I decided to go back and finish my college degree and I um, got a job temping and was assigned basically as the administrative assistant to a compliance officer. And that was my first introduction. Um, And I realized that it was actually a really cool place to be. And it really spoke to sort of my own personal values, right? Like doing the right thing. Um, I've always been one of those people who cared about justice and like the sense of fairness and equality and right and wrong. Um, And even before I really knew what that meant, I knew it spoke to me. And so um, learning about compliance and learning about um, some of the elements of the programs and sort of that first introduction um, made me realize it was something that I wanted to keep doing. And so from that organization, I got a job at a managed care organization that did dental benefits um, and got my first like sort of compliance specialist job, right? I wasn't an administrative assistant anymore for the compliance department. I was a compliance specialist. Um, and, and that's where I learned how to write policies and how to do audits and uh, regulations and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I then transitioned over to the energy and utilities industry, and I stayed there for a while. Um, and I have now cycled back over to the healthcare side. Um, and, you know, being able to be back on the healthcare side uh, in the middle of a global pandemic um, has been super frustrating and challenging, but also really rewarding, right? Um, and I love that I'm able to be of service here. I think that's part of our jobs in general, right? We're not a revenue generating organization. We're really a service organization. Um, and this is super cliche, um, and I'm going to share it anyway. I, I don't like to take credit for it because it's so cheesy. Um, But I actually said this in my interview for the last job um, when they said, you know, why you, or why do you want this job? Why do you, why compliance? My response was that, um, you know, when I get up in the morning and I wake up, um, I'm not going to work for the man. I'm going to work for mankind. 
And, um, and I really believe that, right? Like I almost get choked up when I say it because, you know, we're, we're really making sure that our organizations are doing the right thing, that our employees are acting ethically and I can feel good about that. Um, and that, that just makes it easier to go to work every day. And then lastly, you know, part of my, my personal ethos around compliance work is, um, to be human and, Mm. um, to be authentic because, um, I think, you know, there's so much of a challenge around being the police, right. And being Mm -hmm. the department of no and all of that stuff. And I feel like if you can be approachable, it just makes um, things that much easier on you and your teams. And you're much more likely to hear about things before they get really bad if somebody feels like they can pick up the phone and call you. Um, mm. So I try to remember that and try to remind folks that like we're, we're people, we're just normal people, right? Come mm. talk to us um, mm. and, and, and hope that that plays out for the best. So that's a little bit about me. Love it. And uh, I'm pretty sure everyone who is listening in um, felt the term compliance nerd really resonate because you probably wouldn't be listening to the show unless you were one. <laughs> and <laughs> um, all of the fluffy people out there uh, like me um, love the quote um, and I will be stealing that one. I like a bit of cheese and no one does cheesiness better than Team America. So um, not surprised and loving it. <laughs> very, very true. While we were preparing for our conversation today, you brought up the idea of getting real, which ties back into the um, the theme of being human and authenticity that you just mentioned. And I'm very much um, a follower of this as well. What do you, uh, sorry, why do you see this as being an important tool for your compliance program? Yeah, so, so to like pull on that thread a little bit more about being approachable, right? Um, I'm actually one of those folks who finds small talk challenging, um, and at one point, I think there's even a bio out there that says I'm like a true extrovert. And maybe it's just because I'm jaded as I get older. Or maybe the pandemic has changed us all. But um, I actually find myself getting more and more introverted. And I tend to be one of those people who likes to leave my home life at home and work at work, right? So I try to keep them separate. But I have to remember that there's this whole group of people out there who find fulfillment and connection and relationships and all of that stuff through their work. And so um, I have to remind myself um, to take the time to get to know people, right? And um, it actually works out for your benefit if you know, um, I have a coworker who says, oh, I'll be like, hey, can you help me out with this? And she'll be like, do you have chocolate? You know, and I'll be like, yes, yes, I do have chocolate. Um, I'll get that right to you, right? And so like being able to form those relationships and connections with people and actually taking the time to say, hey, how are your kids, mm-hmm. right? Hey, um, oh, look, um, your dog's in the background right now that we're all on Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. I think your dog needs your attention, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to make those connections and be human mm-hmm. um, builds social capital, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can um, either ask for more intimate details or ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. So it's better to ask for help with someone that you have a pre-established relationship with. Um, but I also just love um, being real and being authentic and human um, with other parts of the business, because then I feel like you're more approachable, right? Mm. You know, um, if you're like super stiff and uptight and you never make a mistake and you never tell a joke, like Mm -hmm. laughter is the biggest icebreaker I find. Mm -hmm. Um, You're super rigid or you only ever say no, or you never ask about somebody's dog. Um, then they're less likely to pick up the phone and call you when they need help. And I, in every presentation I give about the compliance team, I say, hey, it's always easier to call us and ask a question mm-hmm. 
is to respond to our investigation when, <laughs> when it goes sideways, right? Like, I love that. <laughs> from like a time perspective, even, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. want to deal with us investigating either, right? Like mm-hmm. we don't want to investigate. You don't want us investigating. So like, hey, just pick up the phone and ask us mm-hmm. front end rather than dealing with us when things go sideways. And so um, that works only to an extent. Sometimes I feel like being real and being human is actually an even better method than um, fear. Cause that's just another version of fear. Like, yeah. When it's investigating, it's, like that's another threat. Right. And that's, that's not helpful either. I feel like that one is humor as well. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think the fear thing, and, and that was something, I think a trap I fell into very early on was, you know, touting the prison sentences um, and the cost of investigation um, you know, front-loading that rather than letting it whisper quietly uh, was a, a learning point. And you're absolutely right. The the human side is is critical. One of the things that I've incorporated of late is when I meet uh, a new sort of team in the business that I haven't dealt with before, I'll introduce myself. But instead of talking about, you know, my years in compliance or uh, what I do at the company in great detail, I just say, hi, my name is Mary and I really like Hello Kitty and hold up my my phone case, which has got Hello Kitty on it. Um, and Lisa Fine um, knows that I use that uh, very often, uh, even in compliance conferences as well, because it is a way to let someone know about something that you're interested in outside of work. And unfortunately, I feel like we're on the back foot in compliance because we, I think we're viewed as holier than thou, right? Like the the person who's very preachy about doing the right thing. So in order to combat that, uh, I like to be vulnerable and honest. If there is something that I think is confusing initially um, about a policy and then say, yeah, I, this, this is something that I, I, it took me a bit of time to grapple with. And, and here's, here's how I, I learned to deal with it. Um, because when we come across as being um, Ms. or Mr. Perfect, that's incredibly unattractive uh, and it's not very relatable. Um, and because we are in the, the, the job function that we are, I think we need to do extra work to peel back the layers on that and, and show that we make mistakes too, hopefully mistakes that you know don't cause massive compliance issues. But you know, I, I will be the first to say, oopsie, um, I forgot to file that and I, I should have I, sh- I should have you know put that in the right folder for for good documentation purposes um you know I make mistakes too yeah being real um like it's it's really easy to say it's one of those things that like you can pay lip service to it or mm-hmm. but but actually doing it really requires you to be vulnerable mm-hmm. which is like a whole nother part of the conversation right mm-hmm. um but I, I really do believe um, that the pandemic and remote work, if you're fortunate, mm. has actually created more opportunities for that, mm-hmm. right? For example, like the, the example I gave about the dog in the background. So mm-hmm. I have a very small, very chatty cat who always, I'm surprised she's not here. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually forgot to make sure she wouldn't appear. So please forgive me. <laughs> Um, but I have a very chatty cat who likes to make her opinions known on most of my Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. And um, I now like introduce her, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like in the middle of the call, if she's here and we're doing introductions, they'll be like, oh, also this is Shima. Like mm-hmm. say hi to Shima, right? She'll probably mm-hmm. be 
year. Um, and um, so now like we all get a good laugh about my very chatty cat, right? And it's mm. just a icebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've also heard a lot in the compliance circles around training and communications. Some folks are very into humor, right? Some mm-hmm. people feel like some topics are so serious that humor is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I think you can find a balance. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to give an example. I, I haven't done this, but it's something I've been thinking about where I wanted to have a pretend conversation with my cat about like, say, for example, a hotline mm-hmm. where I could be like, hey, Shima, how are you doing today? And she would meow at me and I'd be like, oh, really? That sounds like a serious concern. You should talk <laughs> to someone about that. And then mm-hmm. she'd be like, meow, meow. And I'd be like, no, no, really, the folks in the compliance team are <laughs> You know, right. and like we would have this like pretend mm-hmm. conversation where I'd be translating for her or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, a conversation with Compliance Kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, like, right, we're just humans. We're not mm-hmm. so serious. We can have a, a, like, humorous conversation with our cats to get a compliance message across, right? Mm-hmm. Think about um, how many people you, more people you would get talking about your silly video with your cat mm-hmm. than just, like, through an, an all-company email or something mm-hmm. like that, right? I think there's a time and place for it, but I think the human and humorous approach can definitely go a long way if you do it well. I totally agree. It reminds me a little bit, I don't know if you saw this, several years back there was like a compliance babies discussion and um, it was subtitled. So the babies were making baby sounds and it was just this really hilarious and something that just resonated completely with your day-to-day life. I can't remember what the issue was. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that, but that's like exactly what I'm talking about. We're like, really? Oh my gosh, that sounds awful, you know. Um, (laughs) I'm going to find that for you and send it to you afterwards. That would be awesome. (laughs) Um, so you've, you've told us a little bit about why this is important and, uh, let's take a a deeper dive into how it plays out in reality. So, um, how does this, how does this show up in your role as a leader? Yeah. Um, great question. I think there's sort of two components, right? Like how does authenticity and reality and being human show up for your compliance program? Mm -hmm. And then how does it show up? as a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I try to really incorporate this into my style, I guess, if you would call it that in two ways. Um, The first is for my employees and the second is for the business. Mm -hmm. So um, if my team, like if I'm a real human, then so are the members of my team. And I always try to create safety for my teammates to be real people. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes um, it's actually not that easy to do, um, especially for high performers when we're used to like working beyond the nine to five schedule or we're used to, you know, checking emails at all hours and responding to emails at all hours. I got to remind myself that um, as a leader, people look to you for the example. And so if I'm emailing at 10 o'clock at night, they're going to feel there's an obligation to respond. Mm-hmm. Or like if I'm working all weekend, they might feel like they have to work all mm-hmm. weekend. And so I try to remember that my team is watching me. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I'll, I'll give an example of, of this came up a couple of weeks ago where um, I actually, um, uh, hopefully this is okay to get into, but I actually got my second dose of my vaccine mm-hmm. and um, I didn't have um, horrible side effects, but the next day I had like a low grade fever and I felt kind of crappy and I had the muscle aches and I had a whole retreat planned, oh. um, like a half day retreat planned with my team. And it was the second day of the retreat. It was like the last half. And I actually thought that if I had side effects from the vaccine, it was going to be the day after. And so it sort of caught me by surprise. And 
I knew that I could probably muscle through the retreat um, and we could get it done, but I didn't want my team to feel like they would have to muscle through if they had a fever. Mm. And so I actually, we got on at the start and I said, Hey everyone, I'm really sorry. I feel like garbage and I know the right thing as humans to do mm-hmm. is to cancel this retreat mm-hmm. and we'll schedule some other time in the future, but I don't feel great. And I don't want you guys to feel like you would have to muscle through this if you didn't feel great. Cause mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny how like I could absolutely give my team the grace not to have to do that retreat. Mm-hmm but then I would somehow convince myself that I had to, right? Mm-hmm. And so like thinking about how people are looking at you for your role model, like as a remote mm-hmm. what behavior is appropriate and what is not. And if I want them to take care of themselves and their families, mm-hmm. I have to take care of myself and my family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I always try to create safety for them to be real people with real families, with real lives outside of work. And sometimes quite frankly, real struggles, right? Like mm-hmm. we are all facing some kind of struggle particularly mm-hmm. for this pandemic. And so, you know, have a family emergency, go, no question, mm-hmm. go, right. Mm-hmm. Um, work can wait. Um, you know, what can I do to help? How mm-hmm. can we cover it for you? Right. Mm-hmm. Like just really create safety for them to, to take care of the other things that they need to do because work is not the most important thing on the planet, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, we all, we all absolutely have goals, but like that, that phrase that you hear or the story where, you know, nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I had spent more time at work. Mm. Right. And so, you know, keeping an eye on on the things that are important. And so the second piece of that is related to the business. Um, And so when we have um, a a project that we've got to plan with the business, I make sure to talk to them about what's going on for them right Mm -hmm. now. Like what does their reality look like? Are they happy and engaged? Are they meeting targets and succeeding and everything Mm -hmm. is good place or are there like really big projects and deadlines looming Mm -hmm. everybody heads down on something super important um or are like are they overwhelmed and drowning because Mm -hmm. then that's going to help you know how to frame your messaging right Mm -hmm. um you know i there have been times working on projects in the past where i've been like i am so sorry that Mm -hmm. i have to ask you to do this right now Mm -hmm. but i have to ask you to do this right Mm -hmm. now right like Mm -hmm. where at least if you can take time to acknowledge for them, mm-hmm. then they might not feel like so attacked or mm-hmm. they not feel like I'm talking at them, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm actually wanting, I'm actually there to partner with them. Um, and under just understanding how they see the world at that moment will go a long way in building the partnership to get what you need. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's the part I find um, always so difficult about our job is as compliance officers, really, we have no authority over anyone or mm-hmm. anything, right? Mm-hmm. And we've literally just got to convince people to do what we need them to do. Mm-hmm. And short of begging, mm-hmm. um, building relationships is the easiest way to accomplish mm-hmm. that. And if you are at least acknowledging and creating space for um, teammates everywhere, right? Either folks that you work with directly or folks that work out in the business, um, to acknowledge the reality of their situation and create space for it and then find plans and strategies to approach and deal with the reality, not what mm. you think it should be, but with the reality, then you'll get a lot more traction in whatever you need to accomplish. So Absolutely. Just, you know, try to think about it. 
Well, so I think um, a, a really great revelation there that I enjoyed from your story was that when you sought to acknowledge and respect and be considerate of others, you ended up engaging in self-care for yourself. Um, so, Because otherwise you're mm-hmm. just a hypocrite, right? Mm-hmm. Like I actually had a moment where I was like, if you wouldn't want them to work with a fever, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't work with a fever mm-hmm. either. <laughs> And like, and it sounds so basic, right? Like you laugh, but it's like, no, I really have to take a step back and be like, no, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want them to. Mm-hmm. So why should I, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to be really intentional about modeling that mm-hmm. um, and, and, and practicing self-care to your point. Mm. The other thing is that I think that the type of leadership that you are deploying and um, bringing into your world is essentially servant leadership. And I, you and I are of, of the same generation, which is going to be the the next uh, big generation of, of leaders and executives that we see in the workplace. So what I, I think we're going to see more broadly is a wider uptick in that. We see that the gentlemen at compliance line have a very similar philosophy in terms of really caring for your staff and and understanding that that is one an ethical way to live life um, but also it helps the bottom line so I'm hopeful that uh, you're paving the way forward for a very um, thoughtful form of, of leadership moving forward one that embraces compassion and true care for others So um, that brings me to the next question of people often talking about bringing their whole self to work. And I heard something recently about how someone was saying that um, they don't want to have a team member in the workplace who's only turning up as a part of themselves. They want to have that person feel like everything that they bring uh, is right there in front of them and present. Um, and I note that this does sound like a wonderful idea in theory and is meant to support ideas of diversity and inclusion. Um, do you think you have to bring your whole self to work in order to be authentic? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so um, my, my short answer is, is not necessarily. Um, I loved the concept of bringing your whole self to work, right? When I was earlier in my career, I was like, mm-hmm. yes. I want to work somewhere where I can bring my whole self to work. Uh, And I've actually sort of um, challenged the status quo um, with with sort of like microaggressions. Um, For example, like I have tattoos on my fingers, right? I have little dots. Oh, you do too. On my fingers, right? And I think anyone would be like, an executive can't have tattoos that are visible, right? Um, But this is is part of me and who I am, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, why not? Right. Like mm-hmm. if you don't want to hire me over some dots, then I think <laughs> have bigger problems. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's part of my way of, of being authentic and being who I am and, and trying not to let um, maybe some of the traditional expectations of an executive box me into something that I'm not. Mm. But but over time, I've found out that as beautiful a concept and in, in theory, um, it's actually kind of terrifying in practice. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I can sit here and be like, yeah, if you don't want to hire me over my dots, like I don't want to work for you anyway. Um, but it, it's also um, terrifying to bring your whole self to work every day because not everybody's going to embrace you mm-hmm. the way 
you want to be embraced, right? So like um, you actually have to be incredibly vulnerable uh, Mm -hmm. with folks in order to bring your whole self to work, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's why we don't, we don't share all of our secrets or we don't share Mm -hmm. um, all, all everything about us with everyone we encounter, right? Mm -hmm. We have like close friends that we share things with and other people and family members that we're more comfortable being our full selves because we know that they'll accept us and love us and Mm. us and validate us and all that stuff. And when you do that in the work environment, it's kind of unrealistic to expect that everybody will do that for you. Now, obviously most work environments talk about respect, right? Like Mm -hmm. as a minimum, you should be treated with respect. Um, but there's also times where, um, depending on your interests and viewpoints, it's just not appropriate to do those things or discuss those mm. things at work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's actually another strategy that I try to employ um, uh, about, you know, being authentic at work that re- allows me to still have safe boundaries with folks, mm-hmm. right? And that's really about acknowledging, again, that I'm human, and therefore that means I make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I try to practice accountability as much mm-hmm. as I can um, and then acknowledge, um, uh, again, like what that means to me is if I've made a mistake, own up to it. Like mm-hmm. you said earlier, right? You gave an mm-hmm. example about like, oh, I forgot to file that. Let me fix mm-hmm. it, right? So owning up to your mistakes, um, taking accountability, and then trying to make this right. And so um, this also gives me the opportunity to, to give the disclaimer about like my leadership style and all the stuff that I'm sharing today. Like, let me be the first to say, I don't get it right every day. Mm-hmm. And in a conversation I was recently having with one of my teammates, um, I said something about another teammate that may have been appropriate to share out of frustration with a friend, mm-hmm. but was not appropriate to share with another teammate. Mm-hmm. And I, I immediately corrected and I was like, that wasn't nice to say, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the teammate was creating safety for me. And they were like, no, no, it's okay. Like, I totally get it. No problem. And like continue mm-hmm. the conversation. But the longer I sat with it overnight, I was like, God, that, was, that wasn't right. You know, and it, and again, I can acknowledge that it was a, it came from a place of frustration, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the teammate said it wasn't a big deal, I wanted to, to be accountable for it. So the next day I called them back up and I said, look, I know you said this was okay, but I just want to be really clear that it wasn't right. Like that it was mm-hmm. not okay. Mm-hmm. And it was not an appropriate thing for me to say, no matter how frustrated I was mm-hmm. with the situation. And, um, and I, I just felt like I needed to do that. Right. Because mm-hmm. it can be really, it can be a really dangerous trap to think that you're the leader and you should have it right all the time mm-hmm. and have all the answers and that you're never going to make mistakes because you absolutely are, even if it is just calling someone or, you know, talking about somebody in a way that you shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find that that the accountability part and owning up to your mistakes um, makes you human enough that you don't also have to tell them about all of your personal life at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just not always appropriate, right? And, and, and to a certain extent. And so that's, that's the approach that I try to take, which I find is in many ways um, more safer and appropriate for the work environment. Mm. I, I totally agree. I think, um, uh, you know, there is this concept of uh, some, some thoughts are really meant only for you. Um, and no matter how close a friend someone is, uh, that's still, you know, something that you should keep to yourself. And at work, there are certain boundaries that we do need to respect. And 
there are several facets to every single person. You can show many of those facets uh, and maintain authenticity without everyone knowing every single detail. I mean, you'd be a total narcissist if you took up everyone's time by letting them know everything that you were thinking and, and contemplating. Yeah, not everybody's going to share the same viewpoints, right? Like we mm-hmm. all lived that in the U.S. last year during mm-hmm. uh, the election cycle, and right. Um, sometimes it's just a little bit easier um, to to keep some of the stuff for yourself and your friends and your family. Um, yeah, it, it's a double edged sword in that the more you give people, the more that they have to like about you, but also the more they have to dislike about you if you don't happen to be on the same page or quite frankly, use against you, which mm-hmm. sounds, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is like the pessimistic piece of me, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the more you give up, the more you reveal, mm-hmm. the more, um, the more risk you're taking, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you just got to acknowledge that that, that is, be, that is literally what being vulnerable is about. And it's mm-hmm. work environment is not always the right place to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're agreeing that there is a certain level of vulnerability that's going to be helpful to you. Um, but once you hit a certain threshold, there's a law of diminishing returns. <laughs> exactly. And again, I feel like being accountable for your mistakes is probably a safer way to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, they can always use those against you too, but that's probably for a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think about that a lot in terms of, do I look stupid if I just admit to something uh, and I think there is a risk of that. If you're if you're making mistakes all the time and you're drawing attention to them, you might want to reconsider whether you're in the right role. If, however, you've got a really strong, uh, not even really strong, if you have a, a, an adequate track record uh, and you make the odd fluff up, uh, no big deal. That's normal. So we've talked a lot about vulnerability uh, and how it it can be um, both a, a blessing and a curse, depending on how you choose to deploy it. Um, is there a component of this that you wish you could be better at, Samantha? Oh my God, so many. Um, <laughs> but we're all a work in progress, right? Um, if I had if I had to pick one, um, I think. I think the the balance and sort of the right timing and right tone um, related to speaking your mind. Mm, um, so yes. I, have, um, I had a, a boss in the past, I think, who said some b- version of this, but basically like I've never been accused of not having an opinion. Like I pretty much have an opinion about everything <laughs> and I will usually tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in some ways um, that that has served me well, um, but there's certainly a time and a place where your opinion, you know, either they don't need it mm-hmm. or, um, or it's not the right time. Um, and certainly there's always a, a right way and a right tone to give mm-hmm. your opinion. Um, but one of the things I learned recently related to this was that the farther up the food chain you go, the more weight your opinion carries, whether you think it should mm. or not, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love to think of myself as like the average Joe who's totally approachable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about my cat. Um, <laughs> but I forget that other people in the organization um, see my title mm-hmm. and think that I should be treated differently or that they need to respond right away mm-hmm. or that because of my title, my weight carries more opinion than theirs does mm-hmm. or than anybody else's does. Um, and someone reminded me of that recently where I, I made some sort of comment about um, 
something that rubbed me the wrong way. And I wasn't at all looking for anyone to solve it for me. It was really just like an mm. kind, of, kind of comical joke about something. And they were like, yeah, but you're a, a, a leader, like you're a well-respected leader. And, and so people are going to try to fix it. Kind of like, you know, kind of like people, Mm -hmm. people, people value what you say. And I was like, oh, they do. Right. Like that Mm -hmm. whole like imposter syndrome thing where you're like, Mm -hmm. really? Like I'm just Mm -hmm. the average Joe with my cat. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, what are you talking about? And so there's sort of a two-sided coin, right? Like you have to be mindful of when you speak up, but then you also have to think about the consequences of your words. And then Mm -hmm. you throw in the added complication of being a woman it's even Mm. harder when to figure out Mm -hmm. how to you know how to figure out when to share and when not to share because um we're often labeled as being um um bossy or Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. we just consider assertive and opinionated um others consider or label as aggressive or bossy Mm. Um, you know you've seen all the memes online and linkedin Mm -hmm. about you know, the little girl, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, bossy versus aggressive and all of that stuff. Um, but I've learned that, you know, we really need to take a second to pause before mm-hmm. speaking in a lot of situations. And mm-hmm. I've actually had colleagues, um, you know, ping me after the fact and be like, I could literally hear you thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> before you spoke, like mm-hmm. I didn't pause, right? Like mm-hmm. I could hear you being really, really intentional about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's a skill I think I still have to continue to work on. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't always get right. Um, and hopefully we'll have lots of time to continue to practice because um, I believe speaking up and being heard um, is part of the value that I add. Right. I, I, mm-hmm. I add value. Um, but when to do it and how to do it and like taking the time to think it all the way through mm-hmm. and how it will be received mm-hmm. uh, is something that I'm still working on. So if you've got any tips or any of the listeners, <laughs> certainly welcome them. Um, I think it's I think it's something I'll be working on for a long time. Well, I think part of that is the unfairness that um, we need to rail against as women, which is a man can say a statement and it's seen as an objective statement. We can make a response to that statement as a woman, and it's supposed to be an objective response, but proposing alternative point of view is suddenly perceived as a challenge to what was just said. It's so bizarre and it's ridiculous. Um, And so I, I put the question to you, Samantha, do you think that we ought to be extra flowery and polite when we make, when we put forward another suggestion so that people don't say, oh, you just challenged that man, um, when it's simply supposed to be another perspective. Oh, gosh. Um, If we need to be flowery and polite with every suggestion, um, I'm never going to make it. (laughs) 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 Like that, I mean, and and part of that is, is like my upbringing. So for example, like I grew up 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 north in the U.S. I grew up in New York. Um, I have um, I've often heard now that I live sort of in the South. I've had many people say to me, "You're not from around here, are you?" Right? Because I think my communication style is just faster. I move, mm-hmm. faster, I think faster. Um, and as I mentioned before, right, the, the pleasantries and the sort of mm-hmm. small is unnatural for me, right? Mm-hmm. And the, um, so I actually think that a lot of my style is actually, or, or some of the conflicts is that I, I run into is that I'm not meek and I'm not sort of mm. a traditional like Southern belle, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so 
Um, I definitely think you have to be intentional about how you phrase things and what you say. Mm. But gosh, I fundamentally disagree with the fact that we need to try mm. times harder or 10 times harder than our male counterparts. Mm. Um, because I do think some of this is just um, unfair. Mm-hmm. But I think if we want to continue to succeed, we have to be mindful of it, right? Mm. Like um, That's right. And that's what I've, and that's what I've been, been trying to work on is um, it's less about how I intended it to sound and more about how it was received, right? Uh-huh. This is, mm-hmm. You know, we talk about in, in compliance a lot of the time that, that um, perception matters, right? Mm-hmm. Even if there's no conflict of interest, right? The perception mm-hmm. that there could be matters. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the times where, where what they think matters more than what I intended. Mm. And so um, I try to take those instances where I put my foot in my mouth or I say something the wrong way as an opportunity to go back and learn from it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not always pleasant. It's not always fun. Mm. Um, But unfortunately, it's a little bit of just the way things are right right now, at least in the world that we live in. Mm. And if we want to continue to succeed and we want to be thoughtful, kind, strategic, effective Mm -hmm. leaders, then you're, that's just something you're going to have to do. And that I will say is part of the thing that frustrates me the most is being direct and getting things accomplished is mm-hmm. what gets us here, right? Mm-hmm. It's what makes mm-hmm. us good at what we mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. but, but um, sometimes it can ruffle, ruffle people's feathers. So you've got to find the right balance of continuing to be direct and get things done, mm-hmm. but doing it in a way that doesn't ruin your career in the pot in the process because that that is never the goal right um, right mm-hmm. so yeah for sure I call those the career limiting moves CLMs we try to avoid those <laughs> yeah I, I mean I've made my fair share of them right for sure mm-hmm. we all have but um if we want to continue to grow and expand and you know progress mm-hmm. we've all got to learn how to navigate those situations mm-hmm so I think for me, the unfair and frustrating aspect is is not the times when we have genuinely put a foot in our mouths, but when we get penalized for saying something as a woman, we know that the opposite gender would not have the same perception if they said it. What can we do as women leaders to make it better for those who come after us? Um, I'll take a second um, to pretend I'm like on stage accepting some award to thank all of those who came before me because... Um, <laughs> There are absolutely have been some really solid men and women who mm-hmm. have um, taught me countless lessons along the way, right? Like I exist today only as a product of those who have helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best example of how to continue helping others um, is your book, right? Oh. Like the book is literally sending the elevator back down, right? <laughs> and so what I love about the concept is it's one person offering assistance based on the lessons that they've learned, right? Mm-hmm. And like to carry through the theme of accountability and being human and making mm-hmm. mistakes, um, we all just get to learn from each other, right? Mm-hmm. And and trying to make um, the process easier for those who come after us. And so the other way that you and I have both been doing that is through our compliance career connections group Mm. where I've had so many conversations with folks through that group where I've been like, okay, so there was this one time in an interview where they asked me what my biggest weakness was. And I had no idea, like I didn't have an answer. Um, And I share with them how I made a mistake or how 
something didn't go according to plan. Mm-hmm. I've been able to say, so after that, I went and researched how I should have answered that question. <laughs> what I'm going to share with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other part is um, sharing your own experiences um, about what your career path has looked like um, and reminding people that it's never perfect. Right. Like in the day, like, it's funny, even on LinkedIn, you see everybody sharing their successes. Mm-hmm. It literally is the business version of Instagram, right. Where everybody <laughs> perfect on the surface, right. Mm-hmm. But like my path to get to where I am today was not at all straight up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't graduate from college in four years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I took time in between all, both of my degrees. I took time off to go do other things. I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. Um, and thankfully I had enough people around me to keep me grounded and say like, no, no, keep going. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, no, no, try it this way. Or, Hey, I did that before it didn't work. Try this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just sharing your experience about how things don't always go the way they're supposed to, but it's all going to be okay in the end, regardless, Mm -hmm. um, I think is so relatable. And, and again, it, I'm human and you're human. We're all just humans doing the best we can every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. And if we can remind each other that and take some of that pressure off, right? Mm -hmm. Like pressure to be perfect and get it Mm -hmm. right the first time and know exactly what you're supposed to do all the time. None of that's real. Um, Mm -hmm. If we can remind each other about what is real, like who we are as people and why we're here and what our priorities are and families matter. And, you know, all of those things. um, I think that just creates, more space for us to be Mm -hmm. who we are and move forward in the journey that is set for us, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's different journey is not going to be the same for everyone. Um, And what you think might be the right thing to do may not, may not work for everyone. So give people some space to find their way. So I don't know. I think that's what I've got. I think that's a wonderful note to end the episode on. And you mentioned CCC and I, I think this is a great opportunity to share Um, one of the great pieces of feedback that uh, you and I got recently uh, was from one of our attendees um, who said that uh, she had been attending a lot of networking events recently. And this was by far and away the best one uh, because it was real people sharing real stories. And I think that sums up our entire episode today that uh, being authentic and being real isn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world, especially in the office. You can be scared of the effects that it can have. But being bold, taking a chance, taking calculated risks, um, being intentional about it, as Samantha was saying, um, can have a huge payoff for you, both personally and professionally. So we hope that this inspires you to show a little bit more of um, your true self in the office Um, and that you continue to build those relationships that will make you the most successful compliance officer. Thank you so much, Samantha, for your time today. It's been a real treat chatting with you, and uh, I know that our listeners will um, relate to many of the things that we discussed today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.